Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today we are bringing you a phenomenal guest. She is a powerhouse rock star in real estate. She's the host of two Real Wealth podcasts, The Real Wealth Show and Real Estate News for Investors, and also co-hosts of the Bigger Pockets on the Market podcast. She is a number one best-selling author, frequently guest speakers on such media on medias as CNN, CNBC, Fox News, NPR, and CBS Market Watch. And we are so fortunate enough to also have had her husband, Rich Fetke, come on as our guest on our 500th episode. And so that was a fabulous interview with him that we had. So if you haven't checked it out, please do. He talks a little bit about his journey and also the release of his new book, The Wise Investor. So if you haven't checked that one out, you can grab your copy today. But Kathy, thank you so much for being here today and welcome to the show. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to be here. So Kathy, you are a well-known name within real estate. I've heard a lot of people call you the single family queen. Um, you know, <laughs> there's so much about you and you know, just what you and Rich are doing, how you've been able to build up your portfolio, share, you know, your knowledge and just add value to the people, your community around you. It's very impressive. And so, first of all, just congratulations on all of your success so far today. Thank you so much. That's really sweet. So Kathy, I want to just jump right in and just get into the nitty gritty because you've been in this market in real estate for several years now. And so when you first started it, you have, you know, you it really came from a place where Rich didn't, there was a hard, difficult time in your lives where you guys had to step it up and you had to figure some out, some way out to provide for yourself and for your families and how to, how to handle the situation going forward. And through that, you pulled so much strength to be able to pivot and take your family and yourself to places far beyond what most of us could achieve in a lifetime. And so there's so much knowledge that we can pull out from you today, but we only have you for a short period of time. But how have you seen or what is your current view of today's market within real estate and how everything is going, especially back from when you first started? That's so funny that you say that. I was actually late to this podcast because I was <laughs> launching our single family rental fund. And ironically, it's in the Dallas area where I got started. And the funny thing about it is that some of the stuff that we're looking to buy is really not different than what I was doing 20 years ago. And to me, that's kind of phenomenal. And I've veered from this path in a lot of different ways. Some have worked out really well, and some have been disastrous. So in a way, it feels really good to be going back to my roots of the basics, the basics of single family queen, <laughs> which, you know, again, I look back and, you know, there's the what ifs, but boy, I wish I just done a whole lot of this and nothing else because um, it's the same idea of buying property in the path of progress. It's really just that. I'm not even one of those people that cares too much if I get a lot of built-in equity. <laughs> I know that sounds like, oh, how dare she say such things, but I'm an out-of-state investor. I don't have the ability 
to well, I have the ability maybe, but not the time and or desire to fly out there and buy a foreclosure or a distressed property and get all the teams in place. I need someone to do that for me. And I don't, I'm happy to pay them and I'm happy to pay what it takes to get a good property. But if I know that that property is in the path of progress, it's like, I know I'm going to make money on it. I guess that's the simplicity of it. If I'm in an area, like I started 20 years ago, where we knew this, at the time we were in Rockwall, Texas, and we knew that infrastructure was coming in, new freeways, new hospitals, new schools, headquarters everywhere, just businesses moving in. We paid retail for those homes. Retail was $135,000 for a brand new (laughs) home, but rented for about $1,400. But I didn't even try to negotiate. It's like, hey, I'm happy. This is a great price. Those properties are worth, you know, $450 today. So, and they cash flow all, all along the way. And now with the rental fund, we're finding other parts of Texas where there's similar, it it almost feels like I'm going back in time. We're kind of buying not that much more expensive. It's maybe 180 (laughs) and fixing those up. So anyway, I'm not sure that was a long answer to your question. And I'm not even sure I answered your question. (laughs) So how do you evaluate the path of progress? You mentioned, you know, taking a look at if there's lots of companies moving in, headquarters are being set up. What are some of the resources that you take a look at that actually make it and identify it as a path of progress? Well, technically, it would be what the city is doing or the county or the state or even, you know, the national government. If they're building and if they're investing in a certain area, and generally when a state or a city or the federal government invests, we're not talking about a few hundred thousand dollars, we're talking about billions. So when there's billions of dollars going into an area, you're probably going to benefit with your little $200,000 house that's nearby or whatever you're buying nearby because you're going along with this tsunami, basically. You're just going along for the ride. So find out. One of the things I do is just call the local chamber of commerce. You know, what's going on in your area? I always follow businesses and business trends where the business is moving because that brings jobs and that brings then the incentive to to build the roads and the freeways and the hospitals and so forth to keep up with demand. So Chamber of Commerce is a great resource. Um, Just, you know, again, following business trends. Uh, At this point, Real Wealth has over 60,000 members and we have boots on the street nationwide teams that bring us the information. So for me personally, it's pretty easy. Uh, They just tell me, they're like, (laughs) hey, look who's moving into town now, you know. Um, But for the average, I don't want to say average person, but for people that don't have all the resources that I may have. First of all, I share them. So all the, that data is on our, our website, but there's just look for gro- job growth. Just where are the jobs going? And then follow also what the government's doing. We know recently that Biden is has invested in, I believe it's called the Chips and Science Act or something like that. He just signed and it's like $50 billion that's going to chip manufacturing in the US. Follow that story. Where are these chip manufacturers going? Because that's going to matter. You could buy something nearby. People now, especially they look at real estate and they're like, oh my gosh, everything is so competitive. I can't get into it, especially with the way the markets go in, the interest rates rising. Even with everything that's going on, though, it seems like you guys are still very optimistic, very bullish on the market and still pursuing it and still looking at great opportunities in the area. Do you think that that's still the case going forward? Oh, there's always opportunity. 
We were busy all through the Great Recession. We were busy all through COVID. Oh, I just wanted a break. I'm like, <laughs> I thought we we're supposed to all just be not relaxing, but staying at home and, you know, watching Netflix. But not, we were busy, so busy during COVID. So when there's a pause in the market, that's when we get busiest because we don't have as much competition. So when there was a pause in the market in 2009, we were gobbling stuff up and 2020, when everybody was kind of freaking out, we were gobbling stuff up. And now in 2022, there's a lot of fear in the in the air because of really horrible news reporting, which is pretty, pretty common. It's like if people are going to read headlines, but not really dig into the actual facts, they, they're going to freak out and be scared. But that's opportunity for us. For you, Kathy, you know, as you've been building up and, you know, you've been in this business for quite some time. For you, what has been the biggest challenge as you've been growing out the network, building out your portfolio, helping the community around you throughout your career so far within real estate? What has been your biggest obstacle so far? Probably my biggest, I would say definitely my biggest would be trusting people. <laughs> I hate to, I just hate to say it, but I will say it because new investors trust people too, you know, and they get in trouble because of that. So it's two things that sound like positive attributes that normally would be, and it's trust and optimism have really steered me in the wrong way over time. I'm I'm a positive person. I'm optimistic. I trust people, but you can't do that in business and you cannot do that in real estate. You shouldn't do it in any financial industry because unfortunately there's lots of sharks looking for somebody just like that, that they consider naive and trusting. So again, I, I, you know, trust, but verify, it's not like I've become a completely non-trusting person, but I wouldn't trust my family at this point when it comes to business or real estate. Like you still, you've got to dive in and um, really do your own due diligence, your own research. I've had in the beginning, I would say literally dozens of people try to rip me off and some succeeded. And when I'm representing thousands of investors, that's a lot of pressure if I make a wrong decision and trust the wrong person. But we did. I, I had somebody that I trusted who had, you know, was already really well known and already had the ability to make this person very wealthy by referring clients to them. There was no reason to, you know, to lie or cheat. Like just doing things properly would make you wealthy. You don't have to cheat. But he did. And he started skimping on the rehabs because we were selling turnkey property. And, um, you know, he'd say it's turnkey, but then he'd skimp on it or not finish it or not do it. And then investors trusted me. So they didn't do their due diligence and didn't get the inspections and appraisals. They're just like, everybody, you know, is going to do a good thing for me. And that just wasn't the case. In fact, including myself, I bought a property with this guy and I didn't do my own due diligence. I didn't get an inspection, which I tell everyone to get and an appraisal. And he ended up selling Rich and me this teardown that he had marked up by 20 grand. And I'm just like, why would someone do that? You know, I've got a really big radio show, right? You know, I've got a huge, you know, I'm going to tell people, I'm going to tell on you, but he did it anyway. And so for me, because of my position of power, I guess I, I just came back and I said, I've got my show. I just recorded it with Rich. We're broadcasting it tomorrow. And you're going to get caught. So you either buy this property back and take care of the clients who also bought from you, or we're we're putting this on. This is this is going to destroy you. And so he did. He bought the property back. But not everyone has that ability to persuade like that. So 
make sure there's no handshake agreements, everything in writing to the detail. What are you getting in your rehab? What exactly is kind of materials are we using? What's the bid? You know, don't this one of the big mistakes people make is they hire a contractor, but they don't bid it out. They just kind of let the contractor do work. And the contractor is like, okay, cool. There's kind of no bid. So I'll just keep doing stuff and running up the bill. So there's, you know, again, take care, treat real estate like a business, get everything in writing, good, solid contracts, have attorneys review those contracts, and that'll, that'll help you avoid the sharks. Very great point, Kathy. (laughs) For you, you know, as you've been building up, you've also helped so many people build out their own real estate portfolio, achieve their own financial independence, create passive income for themselves. If someone were to look and want to start on building up that portfolio today, what is maybe a few, maybe like three top action items that they can do to get that ball rolling? Yeah. I mean, again, I just finished this webinar on our fund and somebody asked the question, why now? Why not? Why do this fund now? Not 10 years ago. My answer was because it's not 10 years ago. (laughs) If it were 10 years ago and I know what I know today, I would have done the fund 10 years ago. Trust me. But like they often say, when's the best time to buy real estate? You know, it's like, yeah, 10 years ago for (laughs) sure. And what's the next best time now? Like, because it's going to be 10 years from now, you know, at some point, this will be 10 years ago. So right now, there is this incredible opportunity where there's fear. The headlines are misleading. There's so many YouTubers who have become experts overnight and predicting a crash. So you have this pause in the market where you can finally negotiate. Over the past couple of years, you couldn't. You're negotiating up. You know, it's bidding wars. <laughs> you want a property, you're paying more, not less. So now that's shifted. And there's a little bit more inventory on the market. You can take more time to do your inspections, to come back and say, hey, this needs to be fixed. Just a few months ago, you could do an inspection and say, hey, this needs to be fixed. And the seller would say, nah, you still have to buy it and maybe still pay more. That's not the case now. Now you can say, you know, this needs to be fixed. I need you to do it. And the seller has to do it. So this is a really good time to not have to make hasty decisions. And so for a new investor over the last year, Unfortunately, I think there's going to be a lot of remorse because people just bought properties without getting inspections and appraisals, and they're going to find out that's a bad idea. So I I feel sorry for a lot of people that kind of, again, made hasty decisions, but you don't have to do that today. So that's great. Take your time. If you're new, take your time. You can tie up a property, meaning, you know, get in contract and then get all of your inspections and your appraisal. And then you have some information to go back to the seller and say, wow, you know, I talked to contractors, it's going to cost $20,000 to get these things done. I want a discount on price. You'll probably get it. So, you know, it's exciting times. So number one, take your time. Number two, make sure you really understand investing. You know, don't, don't just jump in and don't get your advice from someone who hasn't done it. <laughs> you know, get your advice from someone who has. And, and there's so many great resources <laughs> out there. Your so website, absolutely phenomenal as well. So there's so many different resources out there to educate yourself. Absolutely. Like when, when I say like, if you get to get a, a real estate agent and the agent gives you advice, but they don't own rental property or they don't flip or whatever it is you're trying to do, don't listen to them. You know, they're, they're, they're not, they're not your expert. Too many people will find somebody who's acting like an expert, but isn't really one. So talk to people who really have a track record and have done it and let them be your team, whether it's a realtor or property manager or whatever. 
Um, so that's two. So I, I think that might be three, which is, yeah. So take your time, get educated and get a really experienced team around you. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Kathy, what was the biggest turning point or aha moment in your real estate journey so far that really pivoted you to grow to where you are today? I would say it was in the very beginning when, when Rich was diagnosed with melanoma, he recovered and he's healthy today. He just had another melanoma scare and just had surgery yesterday, but he he gets checked every year. But at the time, 25 years ago, he um, actually was 20 years ago. Uh, we didn't know if he was going to survive that. And I had to figure out how to take over the finances. I was a stay at home mom. I refused to believe that Rich was going to die. I just didn't let that idea enter my mind. But I just like, I got to figure out how to take over the money so he can get better. And my mindset wasn't there yet. I didn't believe I could make money. I didn't understand it. I still came from a religious background of considering it evil. Bad people have money and, you know, just just baggage, you know, just baggage that I is generational. And it, it's from your family and religion and all this stuff. And so I had to overcome that. And like I said, that can be generations. That can be so deeply ingrained in ourselves. So what I needed to do was like change my mindset. So I I listened to a really cool DVD that would, I think it was CD, whatever it was back then, <laughs> something old. There was no streaming back then. I listened to the CD in my car every day. That was like a prosperity mindset. I still have some of them. I should put it on streaming and, you know, have people listen to it. So I would just sit and listen to it every day to almost like um, brainwash me into a different way of thinking about money that wealthy people, you know, think think of money. They they don't see it as evil. If you see money as evil, you're probably you know, no, not going to want to have it. But when I started to see it as a tool, as just a flow of energy, as a way to do great things in this world, you can give a lot more to charity if you have money than if you don't. You can uh, make difference in a difference in the world when you have money. So you you know it's a different mindset that I needed. So I had to like literally reprogram my my mind. And then with that was the interviews on the Real Wealth Show, which I still have today, where I would interview wealthy people and start to see, oh my gosh, they really do think differently. I didn't know anyone wealthy, so I didn't know how they think. So as I got inside the minds of the people that I wanted to kind of be like, it started to to shift me as well. And once you have that, that's the starting place. That's it. You got to start there because otherwise you'll sabotage yourself the whole way. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a, really yeah. about surrounding yourself with the positivity and the energy that you want to emulate and what you want to see your life to look like. Mm-hmm. And by surrounding yourself by, you know, listening to those motivational 
CDs or listening to the stories of the people that inspire you or inspire you to do better and to, you know, bring that positivity into your own life, you'll only start to think the same similar types of ways that they they do instead of having all that negativity just continue to pound you down. Yeah. And today there's um there's factors that we didn't have. We we didn't have the internet, you know, we didn't, we didn't, I'm I'm dating myself, but um, like we didn't have social media. So now you've got more stuff in your face where you can feel really bad about yourself or be motivated. So I I still today have to deal with my mental um, state of mind because I can go on and I have achieved far more than I ever dreamed of achieving. And yet I can still go on social media and feel like a loser you know, looking at everybody else and like, oh, well, they're, they've surpassed me or they're doing better than whatever. Um, this comparison game is worse now than ever because of social media. So it takes even more mental discipline today to be able to take that kind of thing. And instead of feeling bad or like, I'm not as good as they're to be inspired by them, you know, just be like, wow, I've just learned from them. And, um, you know, so <laughs> So what are you the most excited about today? I'm really excited about kind of, again, going back to the basics, my roots of, of investing in Dallas. We just lost, launched this fund and I'm partnering with, it's it's like a girl power fund because she's a property manager and uh rent, you know, uh, basically turnkey operator in Dallas. So she acquires properties and has her team fix them up and she manages them. So it, it feels good to kind of be two fund managers and, and, um, you know, help empower women that way, but also just back to basics of providing something that's near and dear to my heart, which is affordable housing. And when I say affordable, I mean something that someone could afford. I'm not talking about um, what maybe people think of affordable housing. I'm talking about the average, like the average person in an area can afford to raise their family in a home. And when we can provide nice, safe housing for under $250,000 today with pretty low rents in that area. That's just, that makes me really happy. I feel like I'm really serving a need. And that need is great today for people to find a, a good, healthy place to raise their family that they can afford. Yes, absolutely. The housing and the just the supply that we're um, deficient on right now. There's just yeah. not that many houses that people can, even if they were to be able to afford it, there's just not that many available out there now. There's not. It's really a sad situation for your generation. You know, it's it's kind of I don't I don't know a time in my history that this has been such an issue. But your age group is is a huge huge generation, and that's wonderful for America. Countries like Japan and and Europe, they're not having enough babies. They're not growing their youth, mm-hmm. and America is. So, you know, the future of America is in your hands, you know, no pressure, but it, it is in the hands of the, of the young people today. And the fact that even the basic necessities aren't there for you is just awful. You know, they, that a young family is having trouble finding a place that they can afford to live. That's, that's a basic necessity. And now with food prices going up. So again, to find purpose and meaning in life, I'm so glad that we're able to really Go again, go back to our roots and make nice neighborhoods for people to be able to raise their families in areas that they can afford to do that. Is your fund primarily focused in the Dallas market? 
kind of all around Dallas, not in Dallas because it's gotten a little too pricey, but in more in the suburbs where a lot of the businesses are actually moving into the suburbs. Awesome. Exciting news, Kathy, and congratulations on this, the launch of the new fund. Thank you. And just to be clear with the SEC, it's a 506C, so I am allowed to talk about it normally with this indication you, you have to keep it private and secret. But now we filed it in a way that I can talk about it. So yeah, I, I'm excited. So Kathy, how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? Oh, well, it's been 25 years. <laughs> um, it's something that shockingly doesn't get boring. And I'm kind of an ADD type person and I need a lot of excitement in my life. And it's just never boring. The market's always shifting. There's always kind of a new opportunity. I literally, and you know, to answer your last question too, I just got back from a business trip to Portugal for the golden visa program, which is super cool. You can invest in, in uh, Portugal. And if you invest a certain amount, uh, then you get in, you get immediate residency. So you get access to their, their universities and their healthcare for free. You have to invest at least 270,000 in cash and leave it there for five years after on the sixth year, you get a passport and then you get an EU passport where you can live anywhere in Europe and work anywhere in Europe. So, and right now the e, uh, the, the um, Euro and the dollar are on par. So for Americans, it's even a better deal right now. So like I said, there's just always opportunity. I met amazing developers there who, who let you do all of that and you still get an 8% return at a time when people are freaking out about everything, you know, it's like, yeah, but there's still opportunity and really exciting, cool opportunities. Wow, Portugal. That is that is fantastic. And that's super exciting to be able to do business, not just in the United States, but outside of the other countries as well. Yeah, I'll be doing a bigger pockets on the market now. And I'll be doing a little uh, video on it probably in the next couple of weeks. And then I'm not sure if Real Wealth is going to be involved with it yet, but I will find a way to make sure you know more about it soon. I think my daughter is going to kind of head that little um, side business for me, which I'm excited about because she wants to live in Portugal. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, Kathy, if there's one thing that you know about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? I would say, you know, understand the risk of each type of investment. Because I didn't know that I, I kind of, I, I made mistakes that I didn't have to make if I had just kind of understood the risk. So with rental property, there's less risk, right? Because you're buying something that's already built, especially the newer it is. And in a, a robust market with lots of job diversification, that's kind of lower risk. Being a lender at a low LTV is really low risk. So, you know, that's, again, just depending on what you're trying to do. If if you want to just lend to somebody and keep the LTV below 65 or 70%, that's a pretty good deal. What's very risky is ground up development, which I started doing in 2010 when land was super cheap. We were able to buy land at like 10 cents on the dollar during the Great Depression. Nobody, a great recession. <laughs> I'm not that old. Yeah, <laughs> great recession. Um, nobody wanted land. It was like, ridiculously cheap. So we bought 4,200 lots in Tampa for 10 cents on the dollar. It was crazy. But then you got to build on it, you know? So some of our ground up uh, developments created a 40%, 50% return and some lost money. So it just extremely volatile, volatile, um, just very, uh, you know, it's not built yet. So understanding the risk, like, okay, I'm going into this ground up development, knowing I could make 40 to 50% return annualized. 
or I could lose money. And if we don't get this thing built, all I've got is dirt. So again, you know, it's okay. You could put $50,000 in that if you have $50,000 to lose. But if it's your only $50,000, you want to make sure you're in a more conservative investment. So how do you, Kathy, protect yourself or prepare yourself for any downturns that may come up within the real estate market? Uh, it's, it's like I said, I, I feel like coming back to the fundamentals feels really good. And like, I can just breathe and know, oh, I know how to do this. When you're in a market, so choosing the right market is really important. A well-diversified market is my favorite with at least a million people, because that's a, a lot of potential customers for your, if you have a rental or a flip or whatever you're doing. Um, so at least a Metro with at least a million people, lots of job diversification. So not like North Dakota, where I invested, where there's one, it's oil. And when oil goes down, you don't, you know, no one's going to rent your stuff. So, and then, you know, the job growth and the population growth, being in, in a growing area and buying affordable property is to me just one of the safest things. So, <laughs> and if there's one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing, what would that be? I would say people who go really deep on the topic that they're investing in. So I chose single family homes and I understand it. And I went deep. Like I really understand the markets and how to buy a property that's going to cash flow and probably appreciate over time. But some friends I know went straight into warehouses or straight into industrial storage, whatever. Doesn't matter. They're all good, but you better know it really, really well. Otherwise, you know, you can get hurt. Awesome. Well, Kathy, I so appreciate it. I'm so grateful that you've been able to share a little bit of your journey of yourself today on today's episode. And so thank you so much for all of your time today. Thank you for having me. So Kathy, one last question. If our listeners also want to find out more about you, where's the best place that they can go? Well, realwealth.com is the company I co-founded with my husband. And that's where we help investors buy one to four units with property management in place with teams that we've worked with for a long time. So that's realwealth.com. And my syndication company is growdevelopments.com, growdevelopments.com. And that's where you can find out about the fund and probably about Portugal in the future. <laughs> but if you want to find out about Portugal, just go to my Instagram at Kathy Fedke. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Kathy. I appreciate all of your time. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, Check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sale and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.